Well, uh, good morning. It's good to be here. And uh, it, is, it is funny when two services in a row, your sound doesn't work well. So, and I have a different microphone, but you've not come to hear that. Um, we're here to talk about grace. Last week, we started this series called Help Wanted, and we, we were talking about the fact that we all need God's help. And we need God's help each and every day. And, and last week, we talked a lot about how we need God's help. And, and how God's grace is the foundation for what brings us to Jesus, what brings us to Christ. And today I want to talk about how God's help is what continues us throughout the Christian life and sustains us throughout the Christian life. Because sometimes, sometimes it can feel like this as a Christian. It can feel like, okay, I come to, I come to God, I come to Jesus, I come to faith in Christ, uh, and, I, and I do that by God's grace, right? Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we come to God. That's how we receive forgiveness of sins. That's how we receive eternal life, by God's grace. But then, pretty quickly as Christians, we can start to think that I, now it's all based on my works, right? Now it's all based on my works. I was saved by God's grace, but now it's about what I do, how I live my life. It's about keeping the rules. It's about being good enough or it's about trying to meet other people's expectations. Have you ever felt as a Christian like you had to meet other Christians' expectations? Um, I remember once, once, this is many years ago, uh, we were living in Oregon, and I was, uh, we were out at this restaurant, and I was playing pool, and a guy from our church in Oregon, he saw me playing pool, and he came up to me, and he said, what do you think Jesus would do if he came back and saw you playing pool? And I said, I don't, I don't know, like, you'd probably want to play the next game. Jesus liked to party, right? But, you know, he had this expectation that Christians don't play pool or poker, I'm sure, or all kinds of different things, right? And so, you know, what, 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 how, what's the basis on which God accepts us and loves us as a Christian? You know, our, our theme song as Christians might be Amazing Grace, but sometimes... Um, it can feel like grace is a bit of a scam, that Christians can be a little graceless. And so I want to talk today about how God's gift of grace is meant to sustain us throughout our lives, really from birth until we get to heaven. And, and even in heaven, God's grace is still going to sustain us. So um, today I want to talk about the help that keeps on helping God's grace throughout your life. And let's remember what grace is. Grace is the, equal, is, is the equality, no, it's the quality of God's character by which he helps us and blesses us with good gifts without requiring anything in return. So this is God's character. This is a characteristic of God. This is an attribute of God by which he helps us. Remember, I think the best simple definition of grace is God helps. If you can't think of any other way to define grace, it's God helping. It's the quality of God's character by which he helps us and he blesses us. So he's being kind to us, he's being gracious to us, um, and he's giving us good gifts. So in other words, grace means that God works toward us based not on our worthiness or what we deserve or our merit, but based on his mercy. God helps us because he wants to, not because we deserve it. That's God's grace. Now, Chances are you started the Christian life based on God's grace, but it's so easy to move to a works-based relationship with God, and I want us to understand how grace is the foundation and the basis for our entire Christian life. So let's begin by going to 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18 says, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, this is the very end of Peter's final letter, 
and he says you need to grow. That Christianity is about growing, it's about developing, it's about transforming, it's about becoming the person that God created you to be, it's about becoming the person that, that God is shaping you and forming you in, as in Jesus Christ. And he says here that there are two ways in which you are to grow. The latter one makes a lot of sense to me. That we're supposed to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know what that means. To grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ means you know more about Jesus, you know who He is, what He's done, what He accomplished. You have a, an idea of His miracles and all those kinds of things. You, you know what He taught. You know what He taught His disciples, what He taught us, what He taught, taught the world. You know the teachings of his disciples, the apostles, what's contained in the New Testament and Acts and the epistles and in Revelation. That's, that's growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's pretty simple. What is very confusing is what does it mean to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ? How do you grow in God's grace? What does that mean? That's what I want to tease out for you today. What it means, though, one thing it means, one thing that it implies is that grace doesn't stop at salvation. That grace plays an integral role in our lives as followers of Jesus. That we are just as dependent on God's grace today as we were the day you came to Jesus. You know, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I I want you to understand that grace is really what's going to mark your life as you walk with God. And that's what I want you to understand today. I think to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ means to grow in the experience of God's grace, to grow in the understanding of God's grace, to have more appreciation of God's grace, and to be able to apply it more in your life. So with that in mind, here's kind of the first statement that I want us to take away from today. As Christians, we are always dependent on God's gracious help. As followers of Jesus, we always need God's grace in our lives. Now, as I already kind of mentioned, one thing I've observed after being a Christian for a lot of years and mentoring lots of people, is that it's really easy to start off in your relationship with God based on grace and then move to a relationship based on works. And here's what I mean. As a Christian, it's so easy to slip into, there are things that I have to do in order for God to be happy with me. In order for God to love me, in order for God to be pleased with me, there are certain things I need to do. This is how many Christians think. Now, every Christian might have a different list of things that they feel like they need to do, but they might include read the Bible, pray, go to church, serve at church, uh, give, invite people to church, disciple people. These are all good things, but what can happen is, as Christians, we can think, well, if I do these things, then God will love me more. If I do these things, then God will answer my prayers better or more quickly or or more like I want Him to. And if I don't do these things, then maybe God doesn't love me as much as He used to. That's how we tend to act as Christians. We start off in grace, and then we quickly move to a relationship based on works. The same thing happened to early Christians in the church of Galatia. And and Paul writes in the letter to the Galatians, when he kind of sets up this situation, he says in chapter 3, verse 3, he says, how foolish can you be? (laughs) Christians who are trying to start with grace and then move to works, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying... If salvation is all about Jesus, if coming to faith in God is all about Jesus Christ and forgiveness, eternal life, it's all about Christ, then shouldn't the entire Christian life also be all about grace 
and faith. But you see, they've twisted it. They've, they've tried to become perfect by their own human effort. They started off on the right way, but then they got twisted, right? They created all these rules in their church, and these rules determined if you were a good Christian or not, right? Now, for them, if you read the letter to the Galatians, uh, the kind of rules that they developed were things like keep the Sabbath and keep the Jewish dietary laws and keep circumcision. So they imported a lot of Judaism into Christianity. And as a result, Christians began to think that their relationship with God was based on works and not based on grace and faith. You can imagine what that would have been like. Let's imagine that we were all in a church in Galatia 2,000 years ago that Paul is writing to. And let's say that somebody just came to faith in Jesus Christ in the church. Let's say their name is Felix. It's a good Roman name. Felix, all right? So Felix, he comes to faith in Jesus. He's all excited. He grew up a pagan. He's now put his faith in Christ. He, he's worshiping the God of the Bible. He's all, he's all excited. He, he can't wait to tell people about Jesus. And he comes to our church in Galatia. And then some of the, some of the longtime members of the church, some of the old timers are like, hey, Felix, let me, uh, let me kind of talk to you for just a second. Let me tell you, there's a few things that you need to do in order to, for God to really be okay with you, you know, in, in order to really feel God's love, in, in order for God to, to really just sign off on you, there's a few things you need to do. First, you need to stop working on Saturday. You need to observe the Sabbath. <laughs> uh, you need to stop eating hot dogs, okay, Felix, you know. Jewish dietary laws, all right, that you need to, no more corn dogs, no more hot dogs, no more red lobster, Felix, you know, it's kind of a bummer, and then last thing, Felix, uh, you got to get circumcised, poor guy, right, <laughs> poor guy, I would have been like, I, you know, maybe this church isn't for me, I don't know, um, but poor Felix, all these things he feels like he has to do to get right with God, and the apostle Paul says, how foolish, how foolish you are, but that is how we are as humans, we think it's based on our own effort. That's what makes us right with God. It's a very American way to approach God. I don't need a handout. I'm self-sufficient. I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. But that's not biblical. Grace means that God loves you unconditionally. Grace means that God's love and God's, um, God's desire to save you and to form you in Christ isn't based on your ability to live up to His standards. Or, or, or certain standards that are not even his. Colossians 2 says it like this, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. He, he says, how did you accept Jesus as your Savior? Did you accept, did, did you receive the forgiveness of sins because you were religious enough, because you were moral enough, because you were ethical enough, because you attended church enough? No, you accepted Jesus is your Lord by faith, right? It's by God's grace through faith. And if that's how you came to Christ, then how do you grow in Christ? By grace, through faith. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that, you know, it's wrong for you to read your Bible or go to church or serve or give. These are all good things, right? Pursuing holiness in your life, that's a really important thing. In fact, the failure to do some of those things might be a sin, but they don't earn you merit with God. It doesn't make, you, make God love you more or care about you more, or it doesn't make God, you know, give you like an extra, like, I, I don't know what, <laughs> give you extra credit or something like that. That's not, that's not what's going on here. 
Because your for, the forgiveness of your sins and your salvation is not based on anything that you can do or bring to the table, but it's based on God. Our relationship with God is based on the life of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross, and His resurrection. It's not based on my ability to be a good person or to be a good Christian. Because our relationship with God is based on grace. And anytime we lose sight of that, we get really messed up. So how does that, what does that look like in our lives? Let's take something that happens to every Christian. Uh, every Christian at some point sins, right? We all sin at some point. So when you sin, what happens? Let's just pick a, let me just pick a, a sin as an example. Let's tease it out together, okay? Let's say, hypothetically, I lose my temper at one of my kids, okay? Hypothetically, right? <laughs> I got four kids. Let's say I'm coming home from work one day, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I'm about to pull into my driveway. And before I can pull into my driveway, I notice that one of my kids has left his bike in the driveway. And it's raining, and now I got to get out of my car, I got to get his bike, I got to go take it in the garage, because it's raining, can't leave it outside, and then I got to get back in my car and park, and I, I, I'm upset, I'm angry, right? I'm mad. And, I, and I'm, I'm mad, I'm upset, I go inside, I find the offender, right? I find the child, and I let him have it. And I'm mad, I'm like, you know, we've to- talked about this dozens of times, hundreds of times, do you want me to run over your bike? You know, who do you think paid for that? I mean, this is all hypothetical, right? All hypothetical. And I'm angry, and it's not like righteous anger, right? It's not like this is, you know, child trafficking that I'm mad at. Like, this is, you know, my kid left a bike out, and I'm mad, I'm angry, and I want him to feel that. And so I just, I blow up at him. What happens after that? Well, my relationship with God has been affected, right? <laughs> like, there's something in my connection with God, something in my fellowship with God that has been broken to some degree, Right? I can't just be like sinning and angry and then just turn around and be like, hey God, you know, <laughs> I just, just want to praise you, just want to worship you, you know, just want to talk to you and everything's great. Like something has been, sev- not severed, but broken there, right? There's, there's a problem there. And so what do I need to do when I've sinned? What I need to do is I need to realize what I've done, confess it, admit it to God, repent, say, okay God, I'm going to I'm going to turn a new direction. I want to turn a new direction. Please forgive me. Go to the person that I hurt. Ask for forgiveness from them. And then, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's pretty much it. See, as Christians, though, sometimes we're like, well, I got to grovel, you know. I got to do penance. I got to, like, I, maybe do I really feel bad enough? <laughs> you know, do I really feel sorrowful enough for my sin? And the thing is, sometimes we think, like, well, we have to earn, like, our forgiveness. <laughs> and God's like, no, it's a gift. It's grace. The forgiveness of my sins isn't based on how well I repent, even, but it's based on the life and the suffering and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus already paid for it. So we need to, we need to understand how grace touches all of our lives. We also need to understand how God's grace changes how we think of ourselves. Some of us think too highly of ourselves. Some of us think we can do no wrong and blame others for our shortcomings. Others of us think too poorly of ourselves. Maybe you have a the voice of a parent or a teacher or a coach that was just always hard on you, always disapproving towards you in your head. 
And it's easy to take that voice and to also think of that as God's voice to you. But the Bible says that God in Christ thinks of you in a different way. In Romans chapter 8, a very famous verse, well, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about sin and our sins, and he talks about the power of sin and just all the, all the problems associated with our sin and how it messes up our thinking, and, and he goes on to this in chapter 8. But in verse 1 of chapter 8, Paul makes the comment, so there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everyone sins, and when we sin, we might hear a voice of condemnation inside of our heads, but that voice of condemnation doesn't come from God because in Christ, in Jesus, there is no condemnation. You see, when you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says you're forgiven of your sins. That means that God forgives you of all the sins that you did in the past, everything you're involved with in the present, and everything you're going to do in the future, too. It's not like when you sin as a Christian, God's like, what? <laughs> I never saw that coming. If only I knew, I would not have accepted that prayer that you prayed so many years ago. You don't surprise God. God knew what you're going to do long before you ever did it. And he says, in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, he doesn't say there's no condemnation because you don't deserve condemnation or because you're such a worthy person or you're so good or you're so religious. No, it's all because of Christ. That's God's grace. Because of God's grace, because Jesus took the penalty for your sin on himself, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, let me give, just want to worship God to say that there is no condemnation for what you do, even as a Christian, because of Christ. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if you haven't put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then there is condemnation for your sins, because we all sin, and if you don't let Jesus pay for it, then, you, well, you're going to face God's judgment and God's wrath, and so that's why today, if you find yourself in that situation, today is the day to turn to God and receive forgiveness of your sins. But in Christ, there is no condemnation. So when you sin, what happens? The Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin if you're a Christian. He convicts you of your sin. The conviction of sin is when God says, hey, Scott, you did something wrong here. You messed up. Or if I'm trying to run from God, he's like, hey, I see you running. Stop it. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says you need to stop. You need to turn around. You need to come back. You need to repent. But the voices of condemnation and shame and guilt are not from God because all of your sin has been paid for in Christ Jesus. So the, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin to bring you back into fellowship with God and with each other, but God doesn't bring condemnation. And so one of the outcomes of this, one of the, what, what this means very practically for us is that we don't have to pretend with God. And we don't have to pretend with each other. We don't have to be phony. I am so tired of phony religious people. I'm so tired of phony religious Christians. Aren't you tired of phony Christians who look good on the outside? If you're a guest here today, you're like, I'm tired of phony Christians. I'm right there with you, okay? Amen. <laughs> who look good on the outside and try to make it like everything's great on the outside, but inside they're pretty messed up and they won't admit it. Th this says... There's no condemnation in Christ for, for your sins, so why don't you admit your struggles to God and to each other? 
You don't have to be phony. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act like you're something that you're not. God knows. God understands. He knows what you've done. He knows who you are. And he's here to forgive and restore and heal. He's not here to condemn. I remember some years ago when I kind of started to realize this, or realize this in a new way, <laughs> that like I could be honest with God. First of all, God knows everything I do and think, so it's not like I've surprised Him, right? <laughs> and I can be honest with people in my life. I can be honest with friends. I can admit my sin to friends, and guess what happens? Admit my sin to a few friends, guess what? They didn't say, ugh, all right, we're not hanging out with you anymore, weirdo. <laughs> They're like, yeah, okay, you know, well, we'll pray for you. Let's work together, you know? I tell my wife about some sin. She's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've known about that for like eight years. Just been waiting for you to talk about it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I love you. It's a, you know. And that's how Christianity works. God's not surprised. God knows what you think and feel and do, and people here at church are like, yeah, we're messed up too. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to pray for one another. So let's stop being fake Christians, phony Christians maybe rather, and let's just say we're people who are saved by God's grace. And we are going to do the things that are going to bring us closer to God. We are going to pursue holiness. We are going to, you know, do those, those things, but we're also not going to pretend that we're perfect. And when we sin, we're going to admit it so we can experience change. And that leads us to our last point. God's grace changes how we live our lives. God's grace changes how we live our lives. Some people feel like grace is too easy. It's too easy. So many times I've shared the gospel with someone, told them the good news of Jesus Christ, and they've said, so wait a second, all I got to do is just pray a prayer, and then I can live however I want? That sounds ridiculous. It does sound ridiculous, because it is ridiculous. <laughs> it's not what the Bible says. God's not like, well, you know, just say that Jesus is your Savior, then you're forgiven of sins, and then you can live however you want for the rest of your life, and when you die, you just pull out a get-out-of-hell-free card, you know, and they'll scan your card and be like, all right, well, we got to let him in. <laughs> He's got the card. It's not how it works. God's grace changes you. It changes you. If you say, well, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and now I'm going to live like the devil, then you really haven't understood God's grace, and you really haven't accepted God's grace in your life. Look at Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It says God's grace is available to everyone, all of us. The word men there just means humans. All people. And what does God's grace do? It changes us. And once you understand that, God's grace always changes you. God's grace always changes us. It heals, it transforms, it makes us new, it restores, it sustains. And that's why when you became a Christian, if you're, if you're a Christian here today, when you became a Christian, something changed in your life. When you really met God, when you really experienced the forgiveness of your sins, when the Holy Spirit entered your life, your first thought wasn't, wow, now I can sin and not worry about it. Sweet. That wasn't your thought. And if it was, then 
be, I don't know if you really became a Christian in that moment. <laughs> because when you become a Christian, you're like, okay, God, I'm ready for whatever you have for me. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean, you know, if you have addictions, doesn't mean they all go away in the moment. None of that. But look at what God's grace does. It, it gets us to begin to turn from ungodliness, to turn from worldly passions, and to live lives that honor God. If you really have had God's grace in your life, if you really experienced God's grace, it changes you. And so, we need God's grace, right? We need God's grace. We need it to come to Him in the first place. We need it to, we need it to sustain us throughout our lives. We're dependent on God's grace. In fact, if you talk to some people who've been Christians for a long time, I think they might even tell you it feels like they need God's grace more today than they did even when they became a Christian. Because that's how it feels for a lot of us as we recognize just how messed up we are. How messed up we still are after all these years, after all these decades. Like, I need God's grace more today to get me through every day. To get me through bicycles that are left in my driveway and <laughs> just all the junk in my life, right? I need God's grace. So have you been changed by God's grace? How have you been changed by God's grace? Because God offers that gift to you. He wants you to take it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you speak to us a message of hope, a message of grace. Thank you that we can find forgiveness. And God, I pray that everyone here would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that having started a relationship with you by faith, that we would continue on in faith and not try to go in our own effort, but we'd be led by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that just as we came to you, needy, with nothing to offer, totally dependent on your grace, would we continue throughout all the days and weeks and months and years of our lives. And God, would your grace change us Make us new people who'd say no to things that are going to pull us away from you and each other and say yes to things that are going to draw us closer to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.